All right, Ridgepoint Church, how you doing this morning? Good. Now, obviously, if you're not, if you haven't been with us, we're doing a series on communication and understanding different temperaments. Uh, how many of you, when you looked at that, you kind of figured out which one of those colors you are? How many of you focused right on the positives of your personality? How many looked for the negatives of your personality? Like right away, we're going to talk about this a lot, but let me try this again. How are you doing this morning? Good. Turn to the person next to you, give him a fist bump, but say, I am glad to see you this morning. Now, turn the person in front or behind you and say, what is up, my peeps? Man, we are excited that you're here this morning. I'm excited to get to the content of the series. Uh, last week, we kind of built the tension for it. This week, we get kind of into the nitty-gritty of how all of this works. But I know for some people in particular that are here this morning, uh, they're getting more and more anxious because we are leaving. Our mission team is leaving for Honduras in just over two weeks. So, yeah, once you get inside that two-week mark, like the nerves start to settle in, especially we have some people going for the very first time this year. And I know for them, all the questions, all this energy is going to be there for the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. We're really excited about that. Uh, but today we get to talk through a little bit more. We get to get into the nitty-gritty of this series. Uh, we get to really break down not just because this whole series on communication is understanding the way that God wired us and, and how God wired other people not to be exactly the same way we are, that we are each created uniquely for a purpose. And, and because of that, God gifts us differently, but God also gives us uh, just different ways that we communicate to each other uh, and, and, and just the way that we are, the way we process information. And so this series is predicated upon that entirely. Uh, we mentioned last week that we're using Ephesians 4.29 as kind of a jumping off point for this. And I want to go back to that verse real quick and talk about that because in Ephesians 4.29 it says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. And we said last week that when we talk about unwholesome talk, it isn't just speaking about words that are, in fact, it's not really speaking at all about words that are, that are cuss words or swear words. It's saying that we're supposed to use our words to build each other up, to, to make each other whole. And when we use words that instead of building people up, causes division, it's the exact opposite. That's what, when Paul writes the church at Ephesus and says, don't let any unwholesome communication come out of your mouth, the idea is don't use words that tear people down. Instead, use words to build each other up. And he finishes out that verse by saying, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So this whole series is predicated upon this idea that our words, that every word you use is a word you choose. And especially as we get into the different personality types, uh, there's a, we'll get into this in a little bit, it'll make more sense in a second, but there's the sanguines and the cholerics that they process information really fast. And in particular, I'm wired, I'm hardwired as, as a sanguine personality predominantly. And so because of that, sometimes a sanguine personality has a tendency to speak before they think. How many can identify with that? Yeah, like sometimes we just, we, we say things and we're like, like can, I, can I catch that and throw that word back? And, and, and the whole idea of this is when we're communicating with one another, that every word that we use, and sometimes not just the words we use, sometimes our, our body language, the nonverbal communications, sometimes an email or a text message, we'll talk more about that next week, 
that everything we do, that we're communicating something. And so last week we built the tension that because you and I, because we're probably wired a little bit differently, we process information a little bit differently. We have different what we call temperaments. And because we have these different temperaments, we have to learn to communicate to one another better. The number we heard last week was that 90% of all conflict is traced back to miscommunication. And if that's an issue, then we have to learn not just what to communicate, which is really important, but we also have to learn how to communicate with each other when we're wired differently. And so last week, we began by building that tension, and we said, man, this is why words are important. We looked at Ephesians, we looked at James, and then we said, this week, we're going to get more into the nitty-gritty of, of how all of that functions. And I could think of no one else to better share the stage with me as we talk about this topic than someone who's wired the exact opposite of the way that I'm wired. Please help me welcome in Chris and F. And we want to do something a little bit different. This is not going to be a typical, this is going to be more of a discussion. It's not an interview. It's not a typical sermon. But it's going to be a discussion on uh, just how like, we've learned as two of the three people that are on staff, on paid staff here at Ridge Point Church, uh, how we've learned over the past decade uh, to use the way that, I don't know if y'all knew it or not, especially those who've been around Ridge Point for a while, our temperaments are not anywhere near each other. <laughs> I don't know if you picked that up or not. Uh, but we're wired vastly differently. And, and because of that, over 10 years, we've had to learn to communicate with each other and, and figure out, because our temperaments are so drastically different, how best to communicate with one another. And we want to share that with everyone this morning because we believe that most of us uh, are probably dealing with people in our homes, dealing with people in our workplaces, dealing with people in our neighborhoods that are wired vastly differently than us. And so we just want to have a discussion about what does that look like uh, for us. But Chris, I want to begin, I know it's not an interview, but I want to begin by asking you a question because um, this, this isn't something we can point to a Bible verse and say, man, here's in the Bible where we discover the four temperaments. Yeah, that, that is true. And, and sometimes like, like sometimes I struggle with that, mm-hmm. you know, especially uh, taking the time on Sunday morning to talk about this. But when we look at that, that particular verse, uh, and, and it says to us that we should speak, you know, that we should be trying to share encouraging words, that we should speak wholesomely to people, that what we have to do to be able to do that is we have to understand who it is that we're talking to. And uh, so, you know, these temperaments have been around for thousands of years. Um, actually, Hippocrates uh, a Greek physician who lived before Jesus, he was the one who developed this initial theory, and that's why the words that you'll hear us use today are these Greek words that are kind of, I don't know, clunky. Yeah. And uh, very, very um, clinical. Very so clinical. We'll, we'll quickly move to colors because yeah. it'll, it'll make it a lot easier. But, um, but so you can't like you can't say, oh, this verse talks about this temperament or whatever. But you do see the temperaments exhibited in the people who are in Scripture. When you hear the stories told, uh, and, and you, when you look at and you read the Gospels, you read um, about these people who were involved in the early church, and even Jesus himself, you see these temperaments exhibited. Uh, for example, uh, a few weeks ago, J.J. told us a story about Paul and Barnabas. Um, Paul and Barnabas were these guys who went uh, out and started churches. You know, Paul's 
uh, written, wrote a lot of the New Testament. Uh, he started a lot of the churches in, in, in Europe and in Asia. And, and so here these guys go out, and right away you see very distinctly these two different kinds of temperaments, okay? Paul, who's very driven, um, he's, that's the reason he started all these churches. He, he, he was always on the move. And then you have Barnabas, who was an encouragement. He was constantly encouraging people. Um, and then the story you shared was there, there's actually a little point where they have a little dispute, and it's about a person, um, one of the, another person in Scripture um, named Mark. And Mark had gone on one of the early journeys with them, and then for whatever reason, it doesn't really tell us why, he, he left and, and left the journey, and then later on, he wants to go back out with them. And there's a little dispute, and Paul's like, nope, he's not going. And Barnabas is like, yeah, yeah, no, let's, let's take him. And, and so even in Mark, we see just in that little moment, we see a little bit of the um, someone who wanted calm and harmony, and that's probably the reason why, you know, he got overwhelmed on the trip, and so he backed out of it. And, and you might say to yourself, well, that's only three. But the guy who's telling us the story is Luke. Um, in the book of Acts, Luke's telling us the story, and Luke's very detailed. I mean, mm-hmm. nobody else would have mentioned that story except Luke, you know. Right, so absolutely. you see it, distri- you see these, these temperaments exhibited in the people that are in Scripture. So. Absolutely. You see it throughout Scripture. I know some people, if you've ever taken like a DISC personality profile, it's kind of built upon the fabric of, of what this is. This is a little bit older than that, and, and it's more clinical. Uh, but I've seen people use Bible characters, say, hey, here's the four different temperaments. I've seen people use like the Seinfeld characters and say in Seinfeld, you can see all four temperaments. And I think that as we start to break this down a little bit, you're going to see that, that maybe in your workplace, uh, you start to look around and you're like, you know, I didn't, I didn't even really plan it this way. But, but when we start to gather together for really important meetings, uh, there's someone from each of the different temperaments that's part of that meeting. Because really the way that God wired us is to work in complement with each other. And so it isn't just, it isn't personalities, because I have a tendency to use the word personalities. It isn't personalities, it's it's deeper than that. It's the way that God hardwired us to process information. And that's a really, really big difference. So what we want to do right now is we want to introduce the four different temperaments. And then I'm going to talk about the first two, then I'll let Chris talk about the second two. Uh, The first one for me is easy, because this is the way, kind of as, as I've grown up, that God has hardwired me. The first one is the sanguine personality. The sanguine personality speaks the language of people and fun. Like right away, as soon as I hear that, I'm like, man, that sounds like a great time. Like, I I like that person. They speak the language of of people and fun. They process information really, really quickly, but they're people-oriented, which is vastly different from the the second temperament. They process information quickly, but the second temperament is cleric. Cleric, the red, speaks the language of power and control. They're fast-paced, but they're task-oriented. Most of your CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, they're direct, they're decisive. And here's the thing we want to make sure that you understand is that there's not a good and a bad temperament. In fact, when I asked the question early on, how many of you, when you saw the different things pop up, you notice the good in you. If you're sanguine like me, it was probably easier. Those, those good words up there, those fun words, I like those. But as we get into especially into the melancholy personality, they're constantly like kind of 
looking at everything and trying to process everything and getting in the details, they're probably looking at the name. It's just this is the way God hardwired you. There's not a good temperament and a bad temperament. The idea is how do we use the understanding of these things to realize that for a person who's a choleric, who's hardwired to be driven, to be focused, to be direct, that sometimes the language that they have a tendency to communicate with people who aren't as direct can come across as abrasive. They don't mean to be abrasive. They're just so focused on the task, at times they don't notice the people around them. And, and so the sanguine is all about people and fun and, hey, let's have a good time. The sanguine wants to be the life of the party. And sometimes the sanguine personality misses the details entirely. Sometimes they're focused on a task, and they drive by a car dealership, and they say, hey, I like that car. Let's go buy it. <laughs> That's not a good way to process information, but because they're hardwired for people, they're hardwired for people and fun, they can tend to make decisions on the spur of a moment because they're processing information fast and because they want to have fun. So that's the sanguine and the cleric. Chris. By the way, and this will give you a little hint into my personality, that is actually supposed to be yellow up there, um, not green. So <laughs> if you start hearing us use yellows, we're talking about sanguines, okay? That's not green. So, uh, but anyway, so uh, the other two temperaments are this. Uh, you have what I am. You have a melancholic, okay, or melancholy. Uh, and basically uh, what they speak to is they speak to perfection and order, okay? Uh, they're very logical. They, you know, they want things to be thought through uh, just like he was talking about with the sanguine. The sanguine goes, hey, I want that car. I'm going to go buy it. The melancholic has, you know, looked at every website, found out all the prices, done all the research, looked at, you know, here's, here's the good year. Like if you're buying a used car, here are the years that are good, that they didn't have any problems. Here are the years that are bad. They know exactly what they're looking for. They know exactly the price they want to pay. And then they go to the lot, okay? So that's a melancholic, okay? They speak in perfection and order, okay? The other one is, and this is kind of an unfortunate name, but phlegmatics, okay? Phlegmatics, all right? You don't have a disease or anything like that, okay? I got something stuck in my throat. <laughs> right, right. That temperament speaks in calm and harmony, okay? That's, that, that, that's their love language. They, they want to hear calm and harmony. They, they want things to go smoothly. Uh, usually, they're, they're kind of laid back, okay, for the most part, as long as things are calm and harmonious. They're laid back. They, you know, they don't make decisions quickly, okay? They, they speak in those terms, okay? And so and you see the colors, yellow, red, blue, and green, okay? And again, remember, this isn't about labeling people or I, labeling yourself or anything like that. It's to help you understand how you speak but then to also understand what is it that the person you're sitting across from, what is it that they need to hear, okay? Uh, because if we're going to communicate, we need to communicate in these same terms, okay? Uh, we need to make sure that what I'm saying is what they're hearing, okay? And not the opposite, that I'm saying something and they're hearing something completely different. And, and so make sure we understand this. It isn't as simple as like, well... The extroverted person likes people and the introverted person doesn't. Because actually, as we look at this, the left side of it, the green and, and the yellow, are 
people-oriented. The yellow just happens to like crowds of people, whereas the green has a tendency to have a few close friends that they really trust and confide in. And, and because they want to process things a little bit slower, they feel safer with those few friends than, than the yellow who wants to be the life of the party. Uh, so on the left side, you have people that are people-oriented. On the right side is task-oriented. The top side processes quickly, and the bottom side processes things a little bit more slowly. And, and as Chris was sharing, the idea is not to use these things as an excuse. You see, the, the sanguine gets a, a bad rap at times, and I can understand that, because they do tend to make decisions kind of rather abruptly, and, and they want to have fun, and, hey, we'll figure out the cost of this later. Let's, let's go do this. And, and that's really a dangerous spot to be. But, but the goal is, and I, and I want us to understand this, is as we start to understand our personality, it's not just to make excuses for us, because... The sanguine personality can say, hey, I can't help it. That's the way God wired me. No, that's, that's an excuse. It's not at all how we want this to be communicated. But instead, I want to learn how I process information. But I especially want to learn how to talk to the people that I'm working with, that I'm neighbors with, that I live with. I want to learn their personalities. That I'm know. married to. But yeah, that, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> Which we're going to get to that big time in a second. Because I've heard a lot of talk even this morning about that, Chris. But... uh. But, but here's the thing is that we, I used this phrase last week, but that uh, we all, if there's like a, a, a if we have a, like an itch in the back of our back and someone scratches, it makes us feel really good. We want to learn to communicate in a way that, man, like the people around us feel like that really encouraged me. I know as, as a sanguine personality, the worst thing you could do because they love crowds of people, the worst thing you could do is to correct them in front of other people. I don't think a lot of people like that in general, but for a sanguine personality, if you correct them in front of, like if, if you're a boss and you correct a sanguine personality in front, of other uh, in front of other people, they shut down entirely. But if you compliment them in front of people, man, it, it builds them up, it boosts them. When I first started uh, in the workforce, I was just starting college. And I was working at, at Publix as a part-time stockman, and, and I worked there for a few years, and I'd gotten another position at, a, at, at another place, but my manager asked me to stay on and work some weekends. And after working there for a series of months, I started to hear rumors about a new manager. His name was Mr. Pratt, who'd come in. And all of my friends who still worked at Publix said, this guy's the, the toughest manager. He's the hardest manager. Nobody likes him. So when I get called in working on a Saturday and hadn't been there in, in a couple of weeks, of course, the person closing that day is Mr. Pratt. And all I heard was negative things about Mr. Pratt for the longest time. And, and so I just said, I, got, I had a long day that I was working. I was closing with them. And I said, I'm just going to stay out of his way. I'm just going to do my work, and I'm not going to worry about it. And so I worked, I, I did this stuff, and I saw Mr. Pratt only twice all night long. And I was kind of like, hey, how you doing, sir? I'm JJ, and, and that was about it. At the end of the night, it just happened that we were leaving the store, and it never happened this way, but the, the cashiers, the baggers, and the part-time stock all finished at the exact same time. And so there's a group of us waiting at the door for Mr. Pratt to let us out. And again, I'd only said like two words to Mr. Pratt all night long, but he goes over to the door, and he goes to unlock the door. And when he goes to unlock the door, he stopped with his key in the door. And he said, I got to say something before we leave. And he turned to me and he said, JJ, my responsibility was filling the bottles, the Coke and the water and all that stuff. He said, JJ, that's the best the bottle sections look since I've been here. And the fact he said it to me in front of the baggers and in front of the cashiers and in front of these other people who really didn't know me that well either, because he said that to me in front of these people, at that point, I would have gone through a wall for that guy. 
even though everybody else told me how mean he was, I'm like, dude, this guy isn't mean. He's the bomb. Like, what are you talking about? When we learn how to communicate with the people around us, it enables them, it empowers them, and it gives them strength to fulfill that. I know, Chris, you got a personal story as well. Yeah, um, actually, mine's related to uh, what I was commenting on earlier. Uh, you know, one of the things that we see a lot of times, and in, in, in fact, I heard this this morning as we were just talking early on, that a lot of times in our marriages, we find ourselves in a marriage where the, the, your spouse is the opposite temperament of you. How many have taken the assessment already seen that? Because I heard that this morning already. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that I believe, I believe that there's a reason why that happens, okay? Um, in Scripture, it tells us when, uh, that a man shall leave his parents and cleave to his wife, and they shall become one. I think that God wired us that way because he wants us to have, he wants us to complement each other, that, that when we get married and we become one, that, you know, a lot of times we think of, oh, you know, this person, I just can't communicate with them because they're, 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 they're the opposite of me or whatever. No, God put us in that situation because we complement each other, that we've got to figure out what that communication looks like. We've got to figure out what does their temperament look like so that we can have the good conversations, that we can, that we can work together and we can, you know, figure life out together, figure out kids together and all of the stuff that goes along with that. Um, my example is this, uh, my wife, uh, her, her temperament comes out in different ways, in different situations, and, and at home, uh, she's more of the phlegmatic, the green, okay? Uh, she likes peace and harmony, that's, so that's, how, that's what comes out in, in, in what she does at home, and so uh, she, doesn't, she doesn't work, she takes care of the kids, makes sure they get to all these crazy places that they need to go to and school, and all of that stuff, but um, so a lot of times, she will make decisions about the kids, and what she does is she'll go and do all the research, and she'll, I don't know, like, say she wants to get something for them, or we need to take them to a doctor, or whatever, and she'll do all of the research, and she'll kind of look at everything, try to figure it all out, and then she'll say to me, hey, why don't, like, Here's what I think we should do. We have to take the kids to the do- kids to the doctor. Here's what we should do. Here's what the schedule should look like. What do you think? And my response is, that's fine. That is not a good answer, okay? That's not a good answer, all right? Because when I say that's fine, in my mind, what I'm thinking is, you've done all the research. You make the decision. You go ahead and do it. You've, you've done all the work. You, you go ahead and make the decision. Now, that's not what she hears, okay? That's what I, you know, I say that's fine, and I think that's what I've communicated, but that's not what I've communicated. What I've communicated is I don't care, all right? <laughs> Everybody who's wired that way is shaking their <laughs> yeah, head. Yeah, I, 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 I saw that. <clears throat> I've communicated that I don't care, all right? So better, a better solution to that would be to say to her, listen, you've done all the work. You've done all the things that I would have done. You go ahead and make the decision, and I've got your back, okay? I'm good with whatever it is that you decide, no matter what. If it goes bad, I'm still, I still got your back. If it goes good, I got your back, okay? Because what she wants to hear is 
calm and harmony. She doesn't want to hear, that's fine, okay? So we have to be really careful about what it is that, you know, like we said, um, every, how do you say it? I'm every sorry. word you use is a word you choose. Yeah, every word you use is a word you choose. So when I say that's fine, I've chosen that word, and I'm not communicating what it is that I want to communicate. So be really careful about those things. Understand who it is that you're talking to and make sure that, um, that you know, what it is that you're saying is what you're wanting to communicate. The big idea that we're talking about this morning is that to communicate well with someone, you first have to understand them. And I want us to understand that, that as we communicate with them, because as Chris was talking, I was thinking about it, okay, if, if I'm coming at a, the, the same thing, the same statement as a sanguine personality, I'm not hearing, hey, you took care of it, I don't want to worry about the details. What I'm hearing, like if I went up to someone and said, hey, uh, it's, it's church on Sunday morning after church, let's go out and get lunch, and I said, hey, what about this place? And if they said, that's fine, what I'm hearing is, that's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> like, like if I hear that's fine, I'm like, okay, you don't want to go there. Like, what, what's beyond fine? I don't want to hear fine. I'm like, man, that sounds really good. The way we communicate with people is sometimes just as powerful as what we communicate. As, as we took the personality or as, uh, the assessment that we took, uh, we realized, just like everybody else, that Beth and I are hardwired differently. And so because of that, we're the exact opposites as well. And so because of that, we have to learn to understand the person first to be able to build them up like Ephesians 4 tells us to. And so to be able to communicate well, we first have to understand who the person is. So we want to do something a little bit differently in, in the time that we have left to, to kind of talk about a, a real-life scenario. Uh, we're not going to get into the, what the decision was because it really is important to what we're talking about. But, but a couple of weeks ago, uh, we faced, kind of as, as a staff that we involved more people in it, we faced a decision that, that it, was, it was a pretty big decision. It wasn't a huge decision, but, but we had a phone call, and, and, and we had phone calls quite a bit of, hey, could you help out with this? And you're a church. Could you be a part of this? And, and part of wisdom is discerning when to say yes and when to say no, because especially the sanguine personality, the yellow, they want to say yes to everything, and you can't do that. So part of being wise and making right decisions is learning when to say yes and when to say no. So, but what we had was a really uh, unusual opportunity. And so I got a phone call and someone shared this opportunity and, and right away my heart wanted to say, yes, let's just go do that. But, but because I've learned over 10 years that we balance each other out really, really well, uh, the first person I went to to uh, begin to share this information was to go talk to Chris. Now, the sanguine personality, their big question when they process through information is, is this fun? Like, that's the first question. When they're processing information, if the, if the answer to that is yes, they want to go do it. But, Chris, you're coming from the melancholic, and, and your first response to something like this is vastly different. Yeah, uh, because I like order and perfection, my, a lot of my question is, is this safe? It, what, what it is that we're talking about is this safe? And so as soon as JJ mentioned this to me, uh, it's not that I, I thought it was a bad idea or anything like that, but my immediate thought is, what are the potential problems with this? Like that's, that, because that answers the safety question for me. What are the potential problems? Now, it's pretty easy for me. Like, first of all, I have to take a couple minutes and think through that. 
Uh, so, and he's learned to do that. He, he knows, hey, I got to tell you this. And he tells me and he says, tell me about it tomorrow. Tell me what you think tomorrow. That okay, a, that, that happens basis. pretty on a pretty regular basis. In this case, I don't think it happened that way. But I, I said, you know, immediately my thought is, okay, what, what are the things we have to be concerned about? But one thing that I've learned is because he likes fun, and, and I know that, I don't want to totally rain on his parade, okay? I can. <laughs> I mean, I could do that. Like, I can give you, here's all the reasons why. Uh, but I, kn I know him enough to know I don't need to totally rain on his parade. All I need to do is say, what's the most important, like, in my mind, what's the most important thing we need to be concerned about in this case? I don't have to give him five, just one. So, in that case... There were some financial implications, so I said, what about this? And then I let it go. And I didn't say, don't do it. I didn't say, you know, let's do it. I just said, what about this? And then yeah, you kind of took yeah. over from there. And, and one of the things, like, and really why we're doing this talk is because we want to uh, communicate. Here's how we, sometimes we talk about these things out loud. Sometimes it just is we've been doing this for 10 years, so we naturally have gravitated towards this understanding. But I know when, and when dealing with someone with this personality, there's a couple of things they need. Normally they need, we already talked about this, more time. Normally they need more information. And a lot of times what they need is, is more people to kind of rally around that idea to give different points of view. So I already knew the first person I was, I was going to talk to was, was Chris. But in the back of my mind, I'm already thinking, like, this is a really cool opportunity. Uh, let's at least begin to bring the elders in because I knew that Chris was looking for more time more information and more people. So let's talk to the elders about this. And so uh, we had begun just to communicate with the elders about, hey, this opportunity is here. What do you guys think about that? Now, we didn't think about it until we started really lining it up for this talk here. But, Chris, as we did that, what did we kind of, and not that we have a test about this, but to, to confirm it, but what did we learn about? Well, we, we, as we were talking about this, we realized that in, we have four elders and each of the temperaments is represented in our four elders. So when we talk to them, we're getting all of those different perspectives. And so, and we even talked about it because like, even as we plan services, uh, we have all of the temperaments represented as we plan a service. For example, right now, it's, you were running a little late. And so there's a, there's a temperament. There's a temperament right there that's going, wait a minute, come on. So, um, and so the didn't even notice the clock. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, so all of the, all of those things come into play. And so, you know, for me, when I in and in uh, part of the reason uh, going back to saying that I don't want to rain on his parade is that at the end of the day, when this decision happens and, and when it plays out, he's the one that communicates that. So, not me, because this is my excited face. Okay. <laughs> so. So it's, it's his job, it's his job to communicate, to communicate these things. So I can't rain on his parade because then he's going to come up here and go, hey, we got this good idea. It's going to be a complete opposite of what you normally hear because, you, you know, if we're going to get up and share something, you want us to be excited about it. And he's the guy to do that. So that's part of the reason. Yes, be careful. Be careful of this. But at the end of the day, I want him to be able to communicate it in a way that 
you know, he feels comfortable and that it is still fun to him. Yeah. So, and, and I didn't want to. I could have pulled rank and said, well, Chris, this is, I'm the pastor. This is what we're doing. I, I didn't want to do that because I realized there's wisdom and abundance of counsel. And, and, and so it was talking to Chris. It was talking to the four elders. And, and there was a turning point in the discussion, Chris. And I want you to talk about why for you that was such a – because this whole thing is predicated upon we want to learn how to communicate better. And for us, this was really important. So for you, what was the turning point? Well, the turning point for me – and I – I, I don't think that I even knew that you had started talking to the elders, and but you kind of came back to me and said, hey, I talked to the elders about this, and um, th they seem okay with it. Um, and then he specifically said, and this particular elder said this, and that elder has the same temperament as I do. And so when that person said, you know, here's why I think we should go ahead and do it, um, and that I don't think that it's going to have these financial implications, then in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm fine with that, okay? If he had said one of the other ones, I might have still wanted more <laughs> Well, no, just yeah, right, in, right. in seriousness, I might have wanted more information. But because he said that particular elder, I'm like, okay, and, and I was okay with it. And so this really is learning how to communicate with one another because – uh, like we said, there's there's a great part because, uh, like, literally, I probably talked to three or four couples as they came in, and they said, hey, we took the assessment, and we got problems. We're the exact opposite. And I said, listen, that's most of us. Most of us are are, are meant to, our, our marriages often complement each other. And, and that's the plus side of it. The, the, the negative side of it is, man, I feel like when I'm communicating with the person, we're speaking two different languages. And that's why, like, the rub of it is we have to learn how better to communicate. And to do that, we have to be able to understand the other person. Because what gets me excited is not what's going to get my wife excited. I guarantee you, in that way, we're vastly different. And so if I use language to communicate with my wife that, that is meant to mean this is what got me excited about this, she looks at that and says, that's really unimportant. But... If you communicate this different way, you might communicate the exact same thing, but how you communicate is vastly different. And so we want to give you a real-life scenario that we dealt with over the last couple of weeks where we had to make a decision uh, that was a, a fairly important decision. And we said, hey, let's put our heads together. Let's figure this out. And I knew when I went to Chris, there were some things he was going to need. And, and when Chris first processed the information, now I'll say this, having been doing this for 10 years, what we've been able to do is kind of rein each other in where because what you don't want to be, if, if you look at Jesus, Jesus was the embodiment. If you look at his ministry, he embodied all four temperaments at different times in his ministry. So Jesus is kind of in the central spot occupying all four of these. Some of you, as you took the assessment, you realized, man, I'm stronger in this. But for a lot of us, there's three categories that kind of got some point values. Jesus was the embodiment of all four of those. And the whole thing is you don't want to, an immature person would be really, really off the charts in one area. So one of the things we've been able to do over 10 years is kind of balance each other out and sort of realize I'm not just going to go and make some, some rash decisions without thinking about it. And Chris also doesn't take as much time to process through information uh, when we have to make those quicker decisions. So it really is kind of learning how to, I don't want to ever lose the way God wired me to be, but maturity says... I want to make sure I'm not off the charts in those areas and that I also learn how to communicate with other people. And, and I can guarantee if we can do that well that we're going to live out Ephesians 4.29.
that we're going to be a better communicator with our spouse. We're going to be a better communicator. Listen, this is a huge deal. We'll be a better communicator with our children. Like, I think one of the biggest problems we have and why there's frustration there is our children have different temperaments than we do. And we start to have these discussions, and we're like, why, why does it feel like we're communicating a different language? Well, part of this whole series, in fact, I said this at the very beginning last week, is we have to come with humility and realize that we're not always right, and the way we communicate isn't always right. So when it comes to our spouse, our children, our neighbors, our coworkers, our bosses, our employees, that if we would take the time to understand the way that God has hardwired them to be, we're going to be better communicators for it. Let's pray together. Man, God, I thank you first and foremost that you've wired us to be vastly different. Uh, God, that ultimately you've wired us to be able to uh, complement each other well. And and we see that in marriages. Uh, God, we see that a lot of times in in business partnerships where the the business partners aren't wired exactly the same. And uh, we see that with with children and with neighbors. That God, you, you put us together with these unique callings, but also with unique temperaments. God, I pray that as we talk about Ephesians 4.29 and that we're supposed to use wholesome words... Words that are meant to build each other up and to edify each other, that we learn how to do that in a way that, that really does enable the people that we're having conversations with to fulfill the calling that you have on their life. God, ultimately, we want everything that we do to point everyone who Jesus was. And God, I believe he did this. He was the master communicator. He did this better than anybody else because he embodied all four temperaments. God, I pray that even a discussion on on how to communicate better, that we'd realize that, man, everything that we do as a church wants to point people to Jesus. For he's the only one that brings freedom. He's the only one that brings healing. And so, God, I pray that as we learn to communicate better, it's, it's ultimately for that purpose, to embody what Jesus was trying to accomplish and who he was. God bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen.